surfs up at Gotham Point. That's right, Joker. I've been challenging you to the surfing title. Through my latest invention, the surfing experience and ability transferometer, all your surfing know-how will be drained out of you and transferred to me. Some joker drained everything I know about surfing and all my ability with a gizmo called a surfing experience and ability transferometer. Watch here suppose this up, Buzzy. The surf, Duke. Welcome to Surf Kings of Gotham, the only podcast, at least we're aware of, that bask in the warm technicolor glow of sitcom vigilanteism. That is Batman 1966. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm your other host, Brady. And today we are watching season one, episode 27, The Curse of Tut. Directed by Charles R. Rondeau and written by another two-person team. We've had a trend of those recently. Robert C. Dennis and Earl Barrett. This one originally aired April 13th, 1966. And the one-sentence Wikipedia summary says, A new villain called King Tut, a former academic who thinks he is really King Tut, prepares to claim Gotham City as his new Thebes. Victor Buono guest stars as King Tut. And it's, it's absolutely dumb as hell. It's it's pretty crazy. I enjoyed it, it but I enjoyed it because I enjoy stupid crap. And this definitely fit that criteria. It was, but it was entertaining and brightly colored stupid crap. So I, I like it. I liked it. There's a lot of little, little things that I liked. And I also liked how you really see in this episode Adam West leaning into his William Shatner type overacting. <laughs> that becomes his trademark later. That's true. Yeah, he's really embracing his inner Adam West here, is Adam yeah. West. Yeah, I also love how, I mean, there's so many little things in this episode. Like it opens up, it's like another fine day in Gotham Park. And the first thing you see is a guy picking up trash. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great episode. Speaking to the the two writers, I I was reading uh, some of Jim Beard's book, uh, the second one's Lock Zock Zowie or whatever about the first season. Mm-hmm. I think the the uptake in the the writing teams uh, had to do with how Batman came in mid season and then they like it was a hit, so they ramped it up and they had to get a whole bunch of episodes written really fast. Oh. So I think they really made a big push here. It was what I understood in my half-asleep readings of, of this book. That's interesting. Uh, I need to get to that one. I'm still on Gotham City, 14 miles. Yeah, I haven't finished that one either, but I was like, this one goes episode by episode, kind of like we do. So then I was like, hey, wait a minute, I haven't read that in a while. So then I caught up on the last few that I missed, uh, and then I actually glanced ahead at this one after watching it and compiling my own notes, but I just read through and it's interesting to have uh to see what smart people have to say right uh, right about about this show so uh my big takeaway from reading the the essay written by uh robert greenberger about uh, this episode i actually stopped halfway through so i wouldn't get any spoilers for the second part um was the the egypt stuff the history uh the, the it's all bad 
<laughs> that was my major takeaway uh from reading Which, a smart person's essay the the egypt stuff is uh is incorrect which that tracks given what happens later in the episode with bruce when he decides based on nothing to become a museum curator <laughs> but we'll get to that but that thing about the it was fast and they needed quick turnover and it was they were like ah it doesn't matter if it makes sense or actually valid research that reminds me of there's a like a running joke i know everybody loves to hear about other podcasts on a podcast but you're listening to a 60s tv podcast so it's in your wheelhouse whether you know it or not dan ludwig from breaking mayberry says one of the greatest jobs in the world must have been being a 60s sitcom writer because you would come in and scream some nonsense and huck a mug at a, an assistant's head and that was your day exactly i so want yeah. that job this one's yeah. about king tut and he uh he eats a bunch of grapes and uh, he has a devil statue he puts up in the park and then Batman uh, becomes a museum curator. Well, bye. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. It would also be a nice job to be the researcher because you just get to make up things. Egypt so, is a country. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about a real country. Uh, I'll just make one up. This is Nimpa and over here is Moldavia. And over, yeah. <laughs> They just <laughs> the uh, the researcher on the Batman show was basically Bart when he was in the United Nations, and he was <laughs> like, "Libya is a country of contrast." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. on to this episode. Uh, it is afternoon in Gotham Central Park, the deceptive quiet of the jungle, where a beast is about to spring. And like you mentioned, they show a. A random guy, probably on some kind of work release program from prison, <laughs> uh, picking up garbage. Uh, there's some groups of weird, awkward teens. Uh, and then a dump truck pulls up with a big sheet covering the back. And it unloads the nicest statue Gotham City has ever seen. <laughs> I like how the teens are all making out in the park. They're like, let's go to Makeout Cove. You mean that weird <laughs> place in the center of town where they have sociopathic killers pick up trash and dump trucks randomly appear yes yes i do oh baby yeah bring your diaphragm <laughs> we get uh these guys in weird masks operating the dump truck they're like weird mummy gold mummy masks or whatever uh i wrote what's up masky because that seemed like a funny thing at the time that i was uh watching this episode i wrote it's so like eyes wide shut. The, the, oh, that's also that's clever. That's more clever than calling somebody masky on account of their wearing a mask. And now that I read that, I think, God, I hope we don't have to see Aunt Harriet peeing. <laughs> that's that's probably on the outtakes. It's a good thing yeah. we're not watching this on DVD. That was that important to Stanley be Kubrick before he died was to get a film. Didn't matter which one. It could be two thousand one. It could be Lolita. Something where someone pees on camera. And he was always had his eye on Madge Blake for that, for sure. Yes. Um, the two goons here unmask themselves, and I I was like, hey, wait a minute. Is that Kirk Douglas and Charlton Heston? Because I think that's who they are, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen the credits. It's beatnik Kirk Douglas and Charlton Heston. <laughs> like, King Tut's entire gang is all beatniks, and they speak in jive, and I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> I can watch this all day. Uh, so they unmask 
the push a lever or whatever the, the statue like rolls itself out into the park uh there's a nice scream from one of the making out teens here it's uh, like a then, giant like, baphomet statue like yeah had this been 2006 or 2016 as opposed to 1966 somebody would have had to roll their eyes and go ah, what are the satanists protesting now <laughs> it does make some eerie sounds uh and then we get of course the the threatening threats of like uh the king is going to rise and take over this shithole <laughs> something like that i didn't write it down word for word but that's kind of the gist of it <laughs> It would have been great if the person who was reading the threat had just done that and paused and been like, the king is going to rise and take over this shithole. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. We can't say Metropolis. But the technology in the 60s must have been so poor that like, this is just baffling to these people. They don't, they've never heard of radios or anything. So the, the technology that this statue is talking to them, they're just baffled baffled absolutely but you know who's not baffled and is rarely baffled it's commissioner gordon i thought you were going to say alfred oh no alfred i was i was being kind of sarcastic when i said that because yeah. gordon is baffled about everything no alfred's amazing being earnest i would have meant alfred <laughs> <laughs> in gordon's office he's like giant sphinx uttering demented threats in gotham central park in a woman's voice and then O'Hara is just like, sure, and it could be harmless, sir. Could just be a museum publicity stunt. And Gordon's just like, is there no limit to the brazen effrontery of the press and the museum? He's just enraged that yeah, they would do this. Probably because they don't have a, because they scared his sanitation worker in the park. <laughs> so he's <laughs> he's up in arms. He's mad about it like it's a regular thing. Like, does the, does the Gotham City Museum often do like, like, exhibition art in the park that disrupt people's lives like <laughs> what are they doing to promote he's just mad about everything all the time well he lives in his office so <laughs> he does he's probably pretty smelly <laughs> like i'm That's gonna so call terrible. my good i'm mad as hell <laughs> i'm gonna call my good friend bruce wayne he's a director of the board of directors of the museum and he's gonna answer for this i like how he's, he's like I'm going to call my good friend Bruce Wayne and tell his, tell his chief O'Hara like he's ever heard of him before. How about how good of friends they are? But then he's calling him to yell at him. Yeah, or at least question Bruce. sternly. I assume your money was involved in this. I can't imagine you did any labor. <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't recognize voices because Alfred answers the phone and then gets Bruce to go to the phone. And he should be like, I've heard this somewhere before, like every day of my life. <laughs> Well, he also doesn't recognize faces or bodies because Batman's been poorly impersonated before and he was went along with it completely. That's true. He's not a good he, policeman. He's really not. But he's dedicated because he lives in his office. He wants to be there if anything happens like 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's what it is. It's dedication. It's not that's desperation. It's it. dedication. <laughs> uh, so he's like, hey, is there museum board business that's making you do this crazy publicity stunt and bruce is like i i believe you've taken leave of your wits <laughs> gordon's like you you account for this wayne and then bruce is <laughs> like you watch your mouth old man 
And Gordon's <laughs> like, yes, sir. Yeah, I do like that Bruce Wayne, that like Batman just kind of takes his shit. You know what I mean? But Bruce Wayne is having none of that. Bruce Wayne is sassy. He is. Uh, so then we get, again, immediately calls the bat phone. The same old man answers and gets the same guy. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Alfred's totally. like, I barely walked out of the room and now he's calling again. Again, sir? I'll get him. He's but literally is... right here. He hasn't moved. <laughs> but Alfred is clever here. Like, super clever. He gets a book off the shelf about cat cults or something and puts it on the and it's a red book like the red phone and puts it on his tray and carries it out well harriet is standing there impatiently waiting to go to the museum with bruce and dick yeah i can't imagine wanting to go anywhere with dick but she's all about it yeah she's just like maybe if i can get him out of this house i can get him alone and ask him about the daily torture he's under (laughs) what's that man forcing you to do show me on this doll yeah it's uh <laughs> she she doesn't care though no she just wants to go to the museum for a nice day out she's like uh, maybe bruce will take us out for lunch also and pay for it completely and b- buy me an 800 dollars hat or whatever like the last <laughs> time i was out i'm gonna order the most expensive steak possible but in this case she doesn't get to go out because alfred Batman or Bruce Wayne catches on to Alfred's ruse here about the red book about cats. Of course, this red book on cat cults. I was supposed to read it for the museum. Come along, dick. And she's just like, oh, well. And he's like, seriously, though, the shit at the museum's pretty old. It's not going anywhere. It's, it'll <laughs> still be there tomorrow. I loved how the book was written by like Professor Henry Red or something. And the cover of the book is red. Like <laughs> I like that he's on brand with his books he releases. And I also really like to think that the title of the book is Cat Cults or something. <laughs> I think that's what he said. <laughs> Here's uh, Professor Henry Red's book, Cat Cults or something. It's a it's a well-known tome in the world of Egyptology. More books should have titles that lose interest in the subject in the title. <laughs> Uh, just wait till I start writing books. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the statue has claimed Gotham City for its own in a greedy female voice. We know it's a threat uh, because it's a woman talking. That's right. A female trapped in a life of crime. Yes. Maybe Batman can drop her into a nuclear pile. That'll teach her to Maybe. talk. <laughs> yes. Know your place. Uh, instead, they suggest maybe getting the National Guard to blast that pagan sphinx. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure you have a city city workers who could just go out there and remove it, but let's call out the National Guard. To blow it up. Yeah, that's how they work. I I did note here, I don't think that's a sphinx. I wrote that down a couple times. I'm glad, having read, uh, again, the article by the smart person, that uh, I was correct. That's not I'm a, glad that the writer of the show didn't sphinx. know either. Yeah, well, Robert Greenberger probably didn't write this essay as this episode was being written, so that's fair. How would they have known? Well, they could have researched it, but that's hard. That was hard in 19... They would have had to gain access to the vault at the library. They would have had to... To be fair, that's hard now. You could Google it, but you got to open up a new tab and 
type something else. That's true. That's this is the modern equivalent. Yeah. Opening up a new tab is the modern equivalent of knocking out a guard and blowing a hole in an unlocked library vault to do research. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you looking at Google search results is like, oh God, now we gotta come up with a jig we gotta we can do. <laughs> Huzzah. But Batman says no, we won't need the National Guard. If I wanted to do that, I'd use the bat beam on the Batmobile. And then we get some nice handy exposition here about who King Tut is. Uh, remember, he's ill. He's a sick man. He's a former Yale professor that got hit on the head during a student riot. So we should pity him. I love that his origin is he was hit on the head. <laughs> now he thinks he's a reincarnated Egyptian king. <laughs> there was some students protesting Vietnam and he was hit on the head and now he thinks he's an Egyptian king he's yeah, so easily Batman's stupidest villain so far well it's right up there because he it wasn't him that created him at least he created Mr. Freeze in a fight by knocking some freezing potion on him or something so yeah. he really felt guilty about that but this is that level of exposition explaining the the history of the criminal which again king tut was the first villain created for the show this isn't based on the comic book anything at all so oh, so zelda uh, the great wasn't brand new to you well she was based on that carnito or whatever she oh was, that's right that's right that's right yeah she was based she was based on a character and a plot from a comic but they just yeah. turned her into a woman you know how yeah. hollywood's always given all the good parts to ladies yeah they're always they're always vagina washing <laughs> taking that's away parts too. from the men folk <laughs> yeah uh, i guess it does save them like 20 percent. men that's the true victim <laughs> it's some kind of reverse sexism <laughs> <laughs> damn you hollywood fighting satire on surf kings of gotham oh, that's how we roll uh so meanwhile we're at the the lair of King Tut. They described it funny. I didn't write it down, but it's like remnants of a, like a Gotham City fair or whatever. They just happen to be stored in this one warehouse set up to be the perfect lair for a crazy guy that thinks he's Egyptian. Yeah. So what I heard was they had an expo like the year before when people cared about Egypt, but then that's over now. So all that shit's in storage. But apparently it wasn't important enough to bother locking the door. So King Tut just kind of invited <laughs> himself in and thinks it's his throne room now. I like that. So basically he's a Scooby-Doo villain. Only instead of trying to scare people away from the old carnival, he's like, this will be a fine house for me. <laughs> I like that, though. That's good. I think you hit the nail on the head with the Scooby-Doo thing. That makes a lot more sense. That's what I thought of when I was watching this. Like I went back and I was like, wait, so this is a Scooby-Doo plot? He's trying to scare, scare away real estate developers? Is that what he's doing? Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, thankfully, out phase no, one. Much dumber than that. I, I don't really even know if I know what he was trying to do yet. I don't think he knows. I think he just wants to chortle and enjoy some grapes. Well, that makes sense. He was hit on the head. Yeah. Phase one was a success. And then one of his goons, I can't remember if it was Kirk Douglas or Charlton Heston, but he's like, hey, boss, why tip him off? And he's just like, you're a twit. That yeah. was his answer. He called the guy a twit. I was like, he's, yeah. got, he's got these two little canes that look like he's doing crappy cosplay 
Like, <laughs> that's true. So sad. One's like a weird like shepherd hook, and then the other one is I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it doesn't it match. Like Daredevil's cane. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like a blind guy stick. Yeah, it's some <laughs> stuff he found. <laughs> And his right. goons are like, they're like, hey, Hepcat, let's dial you in on what's going down. He's like, speak English, for I am the king of Egypt. You know, where, where they spoke English. Yes. <laughs> I do, I do, I do like the the uh Ned Flanders dad vibes that you gave the characters, though. That man. <laughs> what a square Ned spilled Ned spilled ink all over my poems man <laughs> we tried nothing and we're all out of ideas <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if Ned Flanders dead is Kirk Douglas or Charlton Heston in this picture you know what's funny it's because of the Simpsons I immediately think whatever I think about are sea beatniks which is common I mean you look up go outside you fall over them but I always think lousy beatniks but they really delight me as a people they're made up language and they're walking around in some clothes they found in the trash yeah craziness well anyway beatniks. simpsons aside king tut and his goons decide it's time to get to their battle stations because the dynamic duo is certainly gonna accost their statue now as part of their plan so yeah to, My to battle stations. Was when they cut back to the park and they're at like the weird Satan statue that it's like the same 12 people who were there earlier and it's much later in the day. Like, did the yeah. rest of you just clear your schedule to stare at this thing? Or I mean, and, sure nobody and, was like, well, I'm going home. Yeah, it's just a bunch of like slack jawed people just like gawking at a weird statue. I guess because they've never seen a nice statue before based on everything we've seen in gotham city so far but it looks yeah. like it's not like little old ladies expecting the statue to yeah they're not like expecting it to like cry or something and reveal the lord it's not the virgin mary and they're not old catholic ladies so i don't know it's just a bunch of slack-jawed egypt fans maybe i'm not sure i like to think that the guy who was there with his girl who he's all who he's all over in the crowd is like this counts as a movie sweetheart <laughs> This counts as going let's, somewhere exotic. Let's go make out again next to the guy collecting garbage. We're not going to go to the Chinese place because this is your exotic place for the week. <laughs> well, Batman and Robin get there and climb the statue. And no ropes required. They just kind of climb up on it and they're looking around. <laughs> like uh, children. Yeah. The Nefertiti, the, the lady, is in the phone booth watching with binoculars. And Batman and Robin are discussing, just like, could this statue contain henchmen? It's like, shut up, Robin. Yeah, it's probably full of candy. Now quit saying stupid things. Yeah, should we hit it with sticks? But then they're like, look, there's a handle. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa don't touch it. It could be a booby trap handle. So he wraps some, like, bat twine around it and jumps off the statue. And they're like, ready? And they pull it, and a knife shoots out. I'm like, whew. Yeah, which is, I mean, it didn't do anything to them, but it was an actual knife that comes flying out of the side of the statue. It easily could have. Like, King Tut hasn't actually done anything yet, and nothing criminal, of course, because he's a Batman villain, but he's the first one to set something up with an actual weapon. That's true. 
Uh, and Batman says, no doubt about it. The brilliant warped mind of King Tut is bent on murder. Yeah. Why? Well, because he shot a knife at him. No, I mean, it's not clear why his mind has been on murder outside of he should probably get an MRI. Yeah. That's enough, though, in the 60s. Yeah. He's insane. Uh, so phone... And therefore so f- murderous. Well, that's fair. He thinks he's a bat. No, that's Batman. He thinks he's King Tut. That's what I meant to say. Um, but phone booth lady is watching this and she grabs a mirror and signals over to a weird gold truck. And I don't understand why everything is gold, but I'm for it. I think it's cool. And King Tut is in the truck and he's like, oh, message from the sun god. And yeah. I thought that was that was pretty fantastic. Leaning so he hurls into his grapes to the ground because he's act- actively eating grapes as he says this. They're just like... They're just lucky there's no candles in that truck because we all know what sunlight does to candle stuff. Yes, it makes it explode immediately. Exactly. Um, they didn't research that either. So he's going to look and uh, my exact words here, another fucking periscope. He's got a <laughs> periscope in his truck and they're looking through the periscope and I was so mad. I was just, why? Why again? Ugh. The Wayne Enterprises periscope division is seeing record profits this year. Uh, yeah, That's stupid. I guess it makes as much sense as in having it in a candle factory, but my goodness, the gold statue and the gold van. Because I really wasn't paying super close attention, maybe think about that movie Short Circuit Two, where after the robot decides to kill a man, they gold plate him for some reason, and then he, then they're like, and now he'll never be attacked by street gangs again built entirely of gold and he's like johnny five is a citizen and it's gonna pay taxes and you're like what the hell am i watching uh i forgot the whole tax angle of that but i do remember the movie fairly well yeah yeah i think that if i recall that was the exciting part they were like fisher stevens was pretending to be indian and he was like oh johnny five what are you excited about now that you are an american citizen could it be McDonald's? And then he like shows a shows a cup that has an M on it. And then Johnny Five says, No, paying taxes, as is my <laughs> civic duty. And he's like, Yay! And then it ends. Yeah, he was way too happy about getting his laser gun taken away and getting a random toolbox full of any object he could ever need to do anything ever. Yeah. I think I imagine most of the rest of that movie based on the 20 minutes I saw, but I like my version. Yeah, you're, as usual, your version is probably more entertaining than what we actually got. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill, an unpaid skill. Okay, so now uh, phone booth ladies <laughs> taken off. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, we got to get back to the, we should probably get back to the plot. Yes, we should. Uh, Welcome to the Johnny Five podcast. <laughs> Look for write-ups like that eventually on our, at our show on shows.com. Or keep uh, listening because we could easily totally derail as we have in the past about Renegade. That's true. That should that's such a good show. Um, but phone booth lady is taken off here. They say, Oh, that's an odd get up for a walk in the park. Let's go confront this weird Egyptian dressed lady. Uh, halt you deluded creature and she takes off her bracelet and it's like a snake bracelet and she throws it at them and it blows up and robin says holy asp and i was like 
hey, this show's all about throwing bones at people. I like it. I thought he said holy ass at first. I, I do a lot of crossword puzzles, so I knew ass, but it was that's a common crossword clue, so I didn't hear ass for the well, first I know what an ass is, but I didn't hear him at first, and I was like, whoa, did he just say ass? No, I, am, I, I, I wasn't suggesting that you didn't know what an asp was. I just immediately yes, went to there because it was cross. Asp I was not. Snake, dumbass. <laughs> Dumb asp. Oh, yeah. what? Snake jokes. Uh, anyway, uh, after the explosion, uh, Robin has a funny, like, puts his fingers in his eyes, like, uh, reaction. He played that weird. I don't know why, why Brian yeah. chose to do that, but... I guess he's got lots of practice because Batman probably practices throwing bombs at him. You can always count on Burt Ward for odd choices. But after the explosion and the weird uh, Burt Ward reaction, it's time for a Surf Kings of Gotham Fight Words recap. Stim's fighting words! These goons jump out with swords, and this turns into a sword fight pretty quick. During this fight, we get a clunk. Sec, clank, thwack, bonk, and out. This has been your Surf Kings of Gotham fight words recap. Most and of so the goons... fight words came from the fact that the writers didn't research what kind of sounds swords make either. Yeah, well, clank was pretty good. Bonk. And I might have said quunk wrong. It could have been like quunk. Because there was lots of K's on the end, so maybe that was a weird, like, boing kind of noise. Either way. In high uh, school, there was a kid who told us that he made a death threat, but his his death threat was that he was going to get out of high school and join the Air Force and get a special airplane that fired swords and then come back, because we would still be at the high school, even though we were in the same class, and fire the swords at us. And now I've added to my memory of that 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 happened and as we ran from the swords they hit the ground going bonk <laughs> uh, what an innocent time it was before school shootings yeah people used to threaten you with sword airplanes <laughs> no we were well uh, into the school shooting era but his idea was i'm gonna take it to strange new places <laughs> And his lunch that day was a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. <laughs> I hope we come up at the bottom of like five finger discount. That's like recommended podcast. Serve King Gotham. <laughs> Are you a fan of school shooting jokes? <laughs> hey, if you like <laughs> short circuit school shooting for the Simpsons, you should enjoy. <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic so to get back <laughs> to this episode my this is my favorite scene in the whole thing is they cut to the museum and bruce wayne is like guiding a, a guided tour of anyone people who aren't children through a museum no he is not qualified to do that as well, he's he the when he says things like how much is this worth who knows Someone knows, Bruce. I would say it's value. As the treasurer, I can say uh, it's value as a priceless artifact makes it priceless. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's like, a rare black man in this scene. Um, yeah, with, with a speaking part. With a speaking part, yes. He's one of the three people who were of color in Gotham City. Um, but then Bruce, in the middle of a fucking museum tour, starts opening up sarcophagus. <laughs> <laughs> and, his, and his last, uh, like two episodes ago, he was exposed to a sarcophagus and that one couldn't touch air or it would disintegrate. But here he's just like, well, let's see what's in here. The fattest mummy since like Ghostbuster. Oh, that Ghostbuster wasn't a mummy, but a morbidly obese mummy. Mummies are desiccated bones. How would there still be fat on his body? Well, this one's being revived. Yes. And I love how he opens his eyes and no one freaks the fuck out. Yeah. No. They're just like, look, it he was... came back. He pulled a Jesus. Yeah. And then Bruce says, is there a doctor in the house? But he says it like William Shatner. He's like, is there a doctor in the house? And then the reporter, the black dude is like, Jesus Christ, you're the richest man in town? I hate this place. <laughs> White people be crazy. <laughs> You could do that like the Simpsons joke where it's like the guy who was like, black people drive like this, but white people they drive like this. You could have just done that with a split screen of this is how black people, and then in parentheses, and the sane function in society. This is how trust fund babies function in society. Um, hey, you can afford a doctor? Shit. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'll leave you to restore order uh, I'll go to the hospital with the mummy on the stretcher yeah Bruce says I'll leave you here to restore order people I've decided are my underlings I'll involve myself in the in what's going on at the hospital now right so the stretcher guys show up uh, I didn't notice at the time until we get to the next scene where they uh, they stop and gas Bruce Wayne. But uh, yeah, those stretcher gentlemen uh, look a lot like Kirk Douglas and Charlton Heston. They do. Yeah. Gasp. So they spray Bruce with like a gas, like a breath spray or whatever, and he passes out. Uh, they lift up the mummy and unzip the mummy suit uh, as mummies are known to be put together with zippers. And yeah, it turns out that mummy was King Tut. But they're, when they're rolling him down the hallway before they gas Bruce, they've taken the wrap off his head and you can see it's King Tut. And Bruce is like, oh, he's trying to say something. Let me hear what he's trying to say. Because Bruce has taken more, much more shots to the head than King Tut ever did. And he he shouldn't be involved in the museum or allowed in the streets. Well, you'd at least think he'd recognize his arch nemesis here. Yeah. Like this whole thing is premised on Batman has had a lot of concussions, folks. But I can say at least King Tut knows who Bruce Wayne is. Is he the first villain to recognize Bruce Wayne? Yeah, most of the be. villains, even though he's like the, the the town celebrity, I realize it's a city, but it's funnier to say town. He's the town celebrity, and yet most of the villains are so like, <laughs> they're like the old man from the Shawshank Redemption. They're like, I've been inside too long. I can't function <laughs> on the outside no more. Like, they go into the prison and forget about him completely. And they're like, who's that guy? He seems like he's important. Why, that's Bruce Wayne, the richest, 
and most self-important man in town. He'll involve himself in your life soon. And you're like, oh, okay. Winston or well, And again, I don't understand how criminals wouldn't recognize the richest man in old Gotham town. Because you'd think he would be a target for those guys. Right. And based on this episode, he clearly just involves himself in everything based on the fact that he has money. Like, I'm going to go be a museum curator today. <laughs> hey, I'm a doctor. Like, you can't avoid him. Uh, I'm the son of a rich man. I do what I want. I'm the son of a rich man, and it's 1966. I'll do as I please, and you'll all thank me for it. Yeah, he should own a car dealership. I wonder if he does. Probably. Seems like the type. Yeah. Uh, so they strap Bruce down to the stretcher and decide to kidnap him. Uh, they're back in the suspicious carriage here, the, the gold van truck van thing uh, the lady's eating a hot dog so phone booth lady's now hot dog lady uh, and we should point out there's still not really a plot yeah well he wants to take over the city uh we just really haven't we haven't established how he plans to do that yet yeah yeah okay so the uh the hot dog lady here is getting shit for eating a hot dog which i don't agree with but i guess they didn't have hot dogs in ancient egypt she says, she says, so King Tut's like, what is that foul, awful you're eating? And she's like, look, I'm sick of eating dates and prunes. You want some of this <laughs> normal food? Maybe it'll make your brain function. And he's like, no, I believe I'll stroke my beard. Because he's yeah, one of the weirdest villains in the entire show. <laughs> he is, but he's fully committed to it, which I can appreciate. Like, he's up there with the Mad Hatter for me in terms of commitment yeah. to the bit yeah like, you <laughs> should be eating figs it, he makes it just he makes it special it's like it, you feel like you're really watching something yeah with all the gold adornments and things and he's no you sh you're a queen you should be eating ambrosia or something and she's like what yeah you ever had a hot dog she's hot like from the heart delicious. of brooklyn and she's like i need no ambrosia but i had this hot dog here <laughs> i i like that they're uh using a weird like Flintstones phone yeah yeah I thought like about weird... where she picks it up it's like it's like a horn of plenty and I was like shouldn't she, if she's gonna blow it to get someone's attention shouldn't she blow out of the smaller end but then she's like whoo whoo into the bigger end and I was like oh I hope they start a jug band <laughs> I didn't say stop <laughs> her, her saxophone got stolen by the cat burglar um <laughs> uh, so this is what they're using now to speak through the statue i like the cue card holding here by king tut telling her what to say yeah uh, there's a really weird strange crowd assembled around this statue yeah <laughs> some other people with nothing in their lives gathered <laughs> hey, what do you want to do today i don't know go stand around and watch the statue and a guy brought a freaking popcorn vending machine out there. Like, people are coming to stare at the statue and buying popcorn. <laughs> Lady, he's putting my kids through college. <laughs> They're like, look, we got three channels at home. It's this or nothing. Right. Uh, so now that this craziness is going on, uh, we do see Bruce a couple times in the back of like a weird old-timey Ghostbusters car ambulance. Uh but the gurney's not really strapped down, so it's just kind of rolling around loose in the back of this car. 
And they drive as terribly as Batman does. Yeah, all over the road. And then Commissioner Gordon is like, we need Batman. So he calls the Batcave and Robin answers. And he's like, put Batman on the phone. And he's like, uh, no. And he's like, no, really, put Batman on the phone. I don't want to talk to you. You're a creepy little weirdo. I like that when he calls, Robin's just standing there in the Batcave. Like he's not yeah. even doing anything. <laughs> Commissioner Gordon calls and he's like, hey, someone's he's reaching just... out to me. I have been standing here for the last 12, 12 to 16 hours just staring into space. <laughs> yeah. This ass ain't gonna molest itself. Where's Batman when you need him? He's punching his fist. <laughs> um, so uh, Commissioner Gordon gets the bad news that Batman's not available. Doesn't really question it too much. He's just like, ah, crap. Uh, and then Alfred comes in and I think he's gonna save the day here. I'm hoping, I'm predicting that Alfred's gonna save the day. It's like, well... Maybe it's time for someone competent to be Batman. He doesn't say that, but I hope he does. Maybe it's time for a functioning adult to become Batman. <laughs> come over here, boy. It's time for a paddling. Robin's like, you want me to come, Commissioner? And he's like, no, no. Alfred, though, if he's available. <laughs> you can go undercover as a competent adult. Um, he can just take over the police force, become mayor. Look, we'll just give the whole city to him as a as a benign dictatorship. And he didn't even have to have a weird statue in the park to take over the city. They just gave it to him on account of he's the only smart person in the whole city. <laughs> in old Gotham town. King Tut's like, why did they give you the city instead of me? And Alfred's like, well, look at you. <laughs> That's why. Yes. I'm dressed like a human being and you're <laughs> wrapped in a toga with brain damage. Alfred's the only one that hasn't been repeatedly hit in the head. Yes. Commissioner's, Commissioner Gordon's wife beats him. That's why he stays in the office most nights now. He's afraid to go home. Stop hitting me in the head. I'm sorry. I'll stay in the office. Gordon, where are you? Why aren't you at home? Oh, a friend scene. Well, there's been a string of murders and uh, I'm, I'm here solving them. I thought Batman solved all the crime in town. Oh, well, he's in the bathroom. I promised that I, I promised a villain on the phone that I wouldn't stop for a hundred years until they were behind bars. So I'll be here for at least a hundred years. Yeah, I'm not coming back. Move on with your life. <laughs> so then we get to the cliffhanger of this episode because uh, Bruce kicks his way out somehow strapped to this gurney of the weird Ecto-1 ambulance car that's on the windy mountain road and he's just rolling down the road strapped to a gurney the death trap cliffhanger in this episode is that bruce strapped to a gurney for another purpose entirely accidentally pops out of the back of a car and is going to roll off the side of a cliff yeah but it i think reminded based... me of tunesis <laughs> how can a cat drive a car I just assumed he could drive. I saw him messing around near it. <laughs> so our cliffhanger text this episode is, holy cliffhanger, Bruce Wayne hurtling toward an awesome abyss. What will be his fate? How can he possibly be saved this time? 
be in front of your bat sets tomorrow night. Same time, same channel. And as it says that, he hurdles through the thing that says, danger, do not pass. <laughs> and it says, one hint, the most horrendous is yet to come. Yeah, so he's really close to the edge of that end of that road. <laughs> well, and I don't understand. So the car is traveling up the hill and he kicks his way out. So he's only like, got gravity it's not like he's in a motorized out of control vehicle here he's just got the little gurney wheels and like but if he just came out of the car he would have no downward momentum like he's picking up speed as he goes because of gravity he could have just like as soon as he was out of the car like pulled himself over on his side i feel and just think like that not roll think batman could just physically take command of the gurney like in that, like in Batman Begins, when he's trapped under the like part of his ceiling, and Alfred's like, "What's the point of doing all those push-ups if you can't even lift this up?" But Adam West's Batman doesn't do push-ups. No, but still, you think you could just like, uh, and rock to the side. He's escaped way more dangerous things than just being strapped down. Some, he probably has some sort of secret weapon hidden in his shoe. Shoes really were really big in the '60s. Or he could throw, maybe he's got his lighter still. No, because he blew that up in that other episode. But maybe his lifetime supply of butane gas will get him out of it. Based on this and get smart alone, never mind everything else, I'm sure they were, where they come up. I imagine that people thought in the 60s that shoes were the key to rule peace. <laughs> if only we wear I these shoes, so. nothing can kill us. I hope we do get smart next. That's one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah, my thought was when we get through Batman, we would alternate. And hey, uh, spoilers, six listeners, we would alternate between Get Smart and Happy Days. I like that. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, folks. Yeah, 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 sure does. So, uh, hey, do we have any socials? We sure do. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're the Surf Kings of Gotham. We're on Twitter and Instagram at our show on shows. Uh, we will eventually have a website with content on it at our show on shows.com. We keep getting weird comments I get notified about that are like, oh, this is so insightful. And thank you for the uh, clear for the clarity on this subject. And I'm like, <laughs> Russian bots are weird. <laughs> well, that's pretty crazy. I don't get to see those, I guess. Yeah. So, well, so as far as you're not I'm concerned, much. nobody's listening. But we also have a YouTube channel uh, that's picking up steam. It's gone viral. Uh, the video that was posted, we posted the interrogation scene from uh, episode 21, I think it was. And that is that we've got comments, we've got likes. I tell you, feels good to be an internet celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you people? You put it on YouTube and it's like, oh, hey, yeah, all right. Put it on a thing you don't have to act actively stare out, but stare at, but can do other things in your life. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Well, in fairness, the actual interrogation scene, we, we didn't create. Uh, we just clipped it from the episode that already existed long before either of us were born. But well, the, the thing about this is we've created so much headcanon for this show that it's starting to merge into I can't tell what I created and what I didn't. So I'm taking credit increasingly for the show itself. I like that. 
Yeah. Only we had that time machine. Yeah. And and I imagine in the near future, once a once a student demonstrator clocks me in the head with a sign, <laughs> um, I'll take credit for creating Batman. All right. Well, until then, folks, join us next time on the same bat time, same bat podcatcher. Yeah. Till then, bye, everybody. Bye, Dr. Nick. Sir, King of Gotham. <laughs>